You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I've been very, very much anticipating tonight. Uh, being able to preach is uh, not an opportunity or uh, something that I take lightly. And uh, to be honest, I'm pretty nervous. Um, and when I get nervous, I talk fast. And uh, tonight, after choir practice, Ms. Michaela came by. She said, are you preaching? I said, well, I think so. She goes, all right, short and sweet, brother. I said, well, you might get it. You might get it. There's always some of those people out there. They encourage you and really just help you when you're, when you're in that spot. You need some spiritual encouragement. Uh, but it's so good to be here these last several weeks to be able to come to the services, uh, to get to know many of you. And I know many of you don't know me yet. Uh, you might have met my daughter, Avery, and uh, she's a firecracker. She's all over the place, and she's so close to us right now in the first nursery here. We might even hear her during the service, and she might be praising the Lord over there. And I hope you got to meet my, my sweet wife, Jennifer, and uh, she's, uh, she's here as well, and I'm thankful that she came with me. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, well, I grew up in a Christian home, and that's my testimony. Uh, my parents were in the ministry. Uh, my dad uh, was the co-pastor of our church with his father, my, my grandfather. And a lot of times you hear of co-pastoring. It really works with a father and son, especially uh, how long they had been together. And uh, they're in Evansville, Indiana. And during the time that my dad and grandfather were there, my grandfather started Faith Music Missions. And they began recording Christian music, Christian artists just from churches. Uh, and then my dad has been uh, in charge of that or heading that up for the last 30 or so years. And a lot of my family is musical. They can sing. I am not one of those people, all right? I missed out on, on that one right there. I don't know what happened. And uh, so the people that were sitting next to me in the choir today, they, they got a firsthand uh, experience of that. Uh, but I, I do enjoy church. I've grown up in church. Uh, it's just an amazing place to have your family, uh, to center your life here, to put your life in, in a place where you can grow spiritually, where you can interact with other Christians, uh, where you can really uh, just be together, as we sang about the family of God. And uh, I was uh, growing up in that Christian home. I had two older brothers. And I'm, the, I'm the youngest. Anybody else here? You're the youngest? Anybody? Okay. How many of you are the oldest? How many of you are the oldest? All right. How many of you are just kind of in the middle? Oh, the middle children, always fighting for justice. It's not fair uh, for them, but that's, that's great. I have two older brothers, love them dearly, Stephen and Adam, and uh, they're back there in Evansville right now. My brother, uh, Stephen, is the pastor of my home church there at Faithway Baptist Church. My grandfather was pastoring there for 42 years. Uh, at five years of age, uh, I began to question uh, th things about salvation, whether I could be saved. And my grandfather came over that night, on an August night, and he led me to the Lord. Uh, as I grew older, I forgot a lot about what happened there. And I went through a period of doubting my salvation, of just wondering, did I mean it? I can't remember it. Did it really happen? You know, I've done some bad things since then, all those kinds of things. And I began to doubt my salvation. And that's, uh, to be honest, that's a terrible place to be. Uh, you want to be sure of your salvation. And I can remember praying here, here and there, Lord, if I didn't mean it there, I mean it now. And at camps and youth conferences, making decisions. Uh, but July 16, 2007, I was sitting in a youth conference at Hammond, Indiana. Brother John Jenkins was preaching. Last service of the week on the Friday. And to be honest, I was up in the balcony. I really wasn't paying attention to the message. It had been a long week. Uh, but he said, do you know when you got saved? And for me, that was the big question. Well, when was it? And I, I tapped my principal on the shoulder when the invitation started. And I said, would you go down with me? I need to get this thing settled. So July 16, 2007, I got it settled. I got assurance. Well, when was I saved? Well, God is not slack counting his promises. If I meant it at five years old, uh, I believe that he saved me at five years old. I'm thankful for that. People ask me, what's your date of salvation? Because I don't know that date. I always give them the date that I just gave you. 
And it's a joy to know that you're saved tonight. I hope, to, hope that you do know that. Uh, I grew up in that home and uh, began to uh, consider going to Bible college. My brothers went to Bible college, and uh, it was kind of an easy thing to follow them. And whenever I was 15 years of age, I was standing in uh, the foyer, the lobby of Faith Music Missions, and I heard a voice from behind me. I was wearing at the time a Boston Celtics uh, T-shirt. And he said, the voice said, the Celtics, it's all about the Lakers, brother. And I turned around, and it was Brother Cobernat right there. He was coming through with uh, he was coming through with a tour group from Golden State. And I thought, what is this guy talking about? I'm a Celtics fan, and that was kind of they were kind of going up there in that time, and, and they were doing a lot better. And that was the first time I met him. Um, my brothers went to Golden State Baptist College. I went to Golden State Baptist College, and there. I uh, studied for four years, uh, met my wife, and uh, she's from California, and uh, we spent the next uh, really seven years of our life there after, after we got married. I had the opportunity to be the youth pastor out there at North Valley and to work with some incredible people, to be around an incredible youth group and teenagers and uh, just lovely, lovely people. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, the Lord uh, called my wife and I uh, to go work at a, a teen camp, a Christian teen camp, Indian Creek Baptist Camp. I grew up going to Indian Creek, made a lot of great decisions there. Uh, there were some needs that they had, and I went there for the last two summers and had the opportunity to w work in that camp setting. And I love teen camp. I love it. I love it. so awesome. Uh, great decisions made. Uh, you get to see teenagers come in uh, really raw. Then the preaching happens. And then, of course, we wear them out with all the activities and all the craziness that happens. It's planned chaos. And uh, we kind of wear down the flesh. And the spirit is able to respond even better as the preaching happens. And so for the last two summers, uh, pretty much every summer, uh, the last two summers, about 200 people were saved, teenagers, each summer. And a lot of decisions there. And that was amazing. And then back, I believe, in April or end of March, uh, Brother Coburnett called me and asked if I would consider coming and being an assistant pastor for him. And I began to pray about it. My wife and I we were very excited about the prospect just because of know knowing the Coburnettes. And, of course, your church uh, visited several years ago, but have watched the services online and have grown to just know things about the services, know, know some of the staff. And we came about two weeks ago to come, and it's just been an honor. So thank you so much for welcoming us. I've got a, a notebook in my office of about two full pages of blessings, of, of things that you all have done for my family uh, since we've gotten here, and I'll keep adding to that list. And it truly is, it truly is an honor to be here. Uh, I am a little bit nervous tonight, as I mentioned. I haven't even opened the Bible yet. I've talked for a little bit here, but I do need to apologize about something uh, right off the bat. If you came tonight expecting to hear Brother Cobra now, I'm sorry, all right? You, you have to hear me. Uh, Brother Glover had us over last night. We had steak. Man, I love steak. Now, that's what you would get with Pastor Coburnett, all right? You would get, you would get steak. I mean, it's great. It's cooked to perfection. It tastes great. And I'm afraid with me you're going to get White Castle, all right? So, uh, Brother Eric, I know you came all this way, and you've got to hear this man. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, and then I have to apologize about one more thing on Wednesday night, if you were here for that. Uh, this chair was not added yet, and I have to apologize. Somebody was sitting uh, in our pastor's chair. Our pastor sat over here. It wasn't me. It was Brother Daniel. So I keep, I'm apologizing for him. Pastor Coburn, I said, you all sit over there, and we'll sit over here. I thought, that's not going to be good. That's, that's not great. You don't sit in the, the pastor's chair. Uh, but there was no you know, arguing with him. There was no telling him what to do. And, and, and just thought it was a little sacrilegious. So, Brother Daniel, I'm praying for you. Maybe you can get right after the service here. Like I said, I'm nervous, so let's turn to the book of Job. I know, not Job. We're going to be... Job. Okay, Job. That's how nervous I am. We're going to be in the book of Matthew today. We'll be in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 6. I've already spoken quite a bit. I won't have you stand as we normally would, uh, but you can follow along and I'll read verses 24 through verse 34. Matthew chapter number 6. 
I'll begin reading, as many of you are almost there, and if you're, if you're not, you'll get there in just a moment. The Bible says in verse number 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the, clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Jesus is preaching. Anytime Jesus is speaking, we ought to listen. And he's, he's preaching here, the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his followers. Those that would come out and leave the cities and go out into the country and listen to this new teacher, this rabbi. And he was Jesus of Nazareth. People were not yet quite acquainted with him yet, but his, pre his preaching and his teaching was so powerful that he began to gather a crowd. He began to gather a following. Uh, we know that this upset the religious class of the day. Uh, this upset those that kind of had the control and the monopoly over what was going on in the religious sect uh, section there in the sector of the Jews, and that's what they were upset about. But Jesus was just speaking truth. Of course, he was and is the truth. But he just spoke about himself. He spoke about what the kingdom of heaven was like. He spoke about the things that we would be blessed if we would do. As you read through this chapter, you'll read great passages and great verses and truths for the Christian every single day. By the way, he was building disciples. He's still building disciples today. If you're saved today, if you're a child of God, you can be stressed about money. Maybe your schedule is stressing out. Maybe you've got so much going on. There's ball games to get to. There's birthday parties. There's work assignments. There's deadlines. There's things that we all have to meet. And sometimes we can, we can, we can take those and they can captivate our mind. And we can, we can be living in a world where God says, I've got it all handled. I'm going to take care of you. Take no thought. He was not saying to not give any attention to our clothes, our well-being, or the food that we eat, but rather to give the proper amount. And it was not too much. Are you a worrier today? I know I can be a worrier. I know that I can, I can be someone who frets. I, I know someone, I can be someone who's just stressed out. I remember as a, a very young youth pastor, we had a, a youth conference out there in California. And about a thousand teenagers would come to that every year. And all the planning and effort was going into it. I remember the day of the conference, I was literally hyperventilating. I was breathing. I wanted to get a, a brown paper bag to breathe into because my, my head was just exploding. Of all the things that I thought that I had to do, I had to just slow down because it didn't, didn't, didn't depend on me. It didn't. There were so many other people in place. There were so many other people at doing their job. They were taking care of what they needed to take care of. But I thought, I've got to stress about everything that's happening. Eight times in our passage, Jesus asked a question. You'll find a question mark. He said, is, the life, is life more important than meat that you'll eat? 
He said, can you think about it and add a cubit to your stature? Can you get taller? Some of the young people, some of the young guys here, you're playing sports. You wish you were just a little bit taller, right? You can't think about it. You can't force yourself to do it. You can exercise. You can eat the right kind of foods, but you can't just will yourself to it. But what's going to happen? What's going to happen if I, if I don't get taller than this or if I, don't, if I don't get stronger than that, okay? He said, you can't do it. He said, are you worried about your clothing, your food, or even your, your future? Here's what he's saying. The Lord Jesus Christ is saying that worry is irreverent. It's irreverent, disrespectful. You see, it fails to recognize when we worry that God is working in this world. God knows what he's doing. Newsflash today. All right, he hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't placed us in exile somewhere. God is at work. He's even doing new things. And he's working through us and with us. He's doing other things outside of where we are at. God is working. God is figuring things out. He's already figured it out. But to worry is irreverent. Because we serve a God who, who is in control. Not only that, he's saying that worry is irresponsible. As I mentioned earlier, we don't know when life is going to end. We don't know how many minutes, how many hours, how many days, how many weeks, how many years that we have left. We like to think that we're going to live to a ripe old age, but we don't know. I remember being 13 years of old. My, my best friend at the time was Ethan. Ethan was 14. We went to school together. He had graduated from middle school, uh, from a public middle school, and he came, uh, he came over to our Christian school, we were really good friends. I got the news very suddenly on a Friday afternoon that Ethan had been back at his home, and it was just an accident, but he was, took out his father's firearm, and he accidentally discharged it, and he killed himself. For the first time in my life, I realized how short life really was. I remember the funeral for Ethan, and I was weeping, our, our classmates were weeping, but everybody that he went to school with at the middle school, they came, his whole class. I think 24 people got saved that day. Oh, the hurt is there. Oh, oh, the hurt is real and the pain sometimes is too much for us to bear. But it's irresponsible. We cannot waste our energy. We cannot waste the time that God has given us on worrying, on being stressed out. Jesus is saying that worry is irreligious. Religious. Worry is not caused all the time by external circumstances. Oftentimes our worry happens on the inside. And we let our mind take, take us away. We, become, we can become consumed with our thoughts. So much of the spiritual life is internal. So much of what God wants us to do is he said, he said, take upon you the mind of Christ. Think like God wants you to think. God doesn't want me to wake up tomorrow. God doesn't want me to wake up tomorrow and wonder about how everything's going to get handled, how everything's going to get figured out. He said, listen, I've got it. I've got it. Worry is irrelevant because it cannot change anything. It can't change anything. Experts have estimated that 40% of things we worry about never, ever happen. Worry about the future is wasted effort, and, re and the reality is seldom as bad as we fear. There was a businessman that was working on Wall Street. He had a friend named Tom. His, Tom was a, was a nervous guy. Right? He, he was, they called him hypertension Tom, and he was just always uptight. And he came across his path one day, and he just seemed relaxed. I mean, he just seemed at peace with everything. He said, Tom, what's going on? You seem, you seem happy. You seem like everything is, everything is going well. He goes, oh, it's been going great. He, hired, he said, I hired a professional worrier. <laughs> I hired him. Everything that I worry about, I don't worry about it anymore. He worries about it for me. Man, that's a, that's a great idea, Tom. Man, how did you find him? Oh, I found him in the newspaper. Man, I don't worry about anything. He said, well, that's got to cost you something. He goes, oh, it, it does. It costs me $100,000 a year to have my own professional worrier. He said, well, aren't you worried about that? He goes, hey, that's not my problem. That's his problem, right? <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about it. It's not that easy, though, is it, sometimes? We, we know as a Christian that we're supposed to cast all our cares on the Lord. We know as a child of God that God is our Father. He's going to take care of us. But yet we always bring it back 
Many times we'll come to an altar and we'll leave it there at the altar, as the song says. We told the Lord, Lord, it's yours. I'm not going to worry about it. It's not going to concern me. I'm not relying on you like I should. And as soon as we're done praying, we pick it up off that altar and we take it back to our seats. I've been there. I, 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 I might mention some things that maybe have gone on in my life, and I'm not magnifying them. These would be the cares of my life. I know some people have gone through some horrific things. You've gone, gone down some paths where you, you needed the immense grace of God to help you through that. But when it comes to the cares of our life today, God says, why are you going to worry? The counsel of the Lord was, take no thought. Can we look today at the things that God asked us to consider? Verse number 26, he said, behold, consider, right? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? That's the opinion of the master, by the way. That, that's the opinion of the creator. We know that the Bible says that he knows every sparrow. He knows the hairs of our head. He knows everything about us. He says, listen, I want you to consider the, the, the birds of the air in verse number 26. I want you to consider the bareness of worry in verse number 27. He said, you can't get any taller. He said, I want you to consider the botany of the Lord. He goes, listen, all the lilies are here. They, they, they don't do anything. And look at the beauty that the Lord has given them. He mentions Solomon. Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. Queen Sheba came down to visit him. He said, behold, my stuff, right? He said, look at all everything that I have. Look at everything that I have. Like, it's because of, of the kingdom. It's because of what God has given me. But we know at the end of Solomon's life, he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Right. We ought to take no thought tonight because the Father is here. The Father is here. You see, my daughter, Avery, tonight, after she gets out of nursery, she's excited to go get ice cream. She knows about that. She's going to go home. She's going to take a bath. She's going to get into bed. She's not worried about how the bills are going to get paid. She's not worried about the mortgage. She's not worried about the inflation. She's not worried about the election. Why? Because her father is worrying about that for her. The father is here. The father is ready to take up our cares. 1 Peter 5, 7, you probably know it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Psalm 55, verse number 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. The word cast means to thrust. Literally, Lord, here is what I'm dealing with. Lord, it's yours. Lord, take it from me. I'm thrusting it upon you. I say, God doesn't want to talk to me about that. Yes, he does. The father is ready. The father wants the, ch the child to come to him and say, what's wrong? W what's going on in your life? What do you need to tell me about? Oh, this is going wrong and that's going wrong. Hey, the father is here, so I should not take any care of the cares of this life. Hey, Peter. How are you going to feed your family? You've abandoned them. You've abandoned your family business. Peter turned around. He just heard the Lord say this. He said, take no thought for your life. They said, who said that? He replied, the master. Yeah. Paul, aren't you tired of being an outcast? Aren't you weary of the, the shipwreck and the jail time? Paul responded, he careth for me. Yeah. Who said that, Paul? Jesus did. Yeah. John the Beloved, you're on the Isle of Patmos. Nobody's there. All your friends are dead. You're all alone. You've been boiled in oil. Paul... Is Jesus really coming back? He said, yes, he's coming back again. Who said that, John? The Lamb of God. Let the Father worry about his business. I like, this, I like the song that says, tell me a time he's not been faithful. Tell me a morning his mercies are not new. The Father is in control. Jesus said to the disciples and when they were in the boats, he said, children, have you any meat? He already knew the answer. They said, no. He said, cast your nets on the other side. Our worries and fears do not empty tomorrow of its sorrow but they only empty today of its strength. Yeah. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, Brother Russ, I understand what the Bible says. I've read it. I understand it. 
And even times it's been tested true. But what if my experience tells me differently? What, what if I'm in a moment right now where nothing makes sense? It's not adding up. I've been doing right. My family members have gone to the wayside. They're out of church. They've forsaken the Lord. The financial reversal has come. Things that you work so hard for, they're not there anymore. What if my experiences say, you know what, I know what the Bible says. My experiences tell me differently. Can I tell you tonight, you need to look at verse number 33. Verse number 33 says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto me. Take no thought, the Father is here. Take no thought, the kingdom is coming. He said, the Gentiles think about that. The Gentiles look to their well-being, but you're a part of the kingdom. <laughs> this kingdom is not down here right now, is it? This kingdom is in heaven. Amen. We're going there someday. Amen. I don't have to worry so much about all the cares of this life, everything that's going to happen down here, because I'm going somewhere where it's all going to be taken care of, yeah. where there's no more sickness, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more worry. It's all gone because we'll be in heaven someday. Yeah. Is that how we live our life? That's what the Bible says. It's, I just can't do that. The, the facts are too real. Life is too hard. No, you can do that if you will begin to seek ye first. What? The kingdom of God. He gives us some commands to obey. He gives us some commands to obey. He said to seek first. There's a lot of other things you're going to have to worry about in life, but first, seek the Lord. You're in church on a Sunday night. I don't have to tell you. You put priority on the Lord's day. It's not a holiday, right? It's a holy day. We're in church today. We're where we're supposed to be. We're singing with the family of God. But in your seat, some of you right now, you're thinking about the worries that tomorrow holds. The kingdom of God is coming, and I need to be seeking it every single day. The kingdom of God, he said, also his righteousness. The kingdom's not here. Well, we can get the righteousness of God right now, not my own, but we can go to salvation. We can go to sanctification. We can look at the work that God is doing in us and say, Lord, I need to live more righteously. Heaven is our end, but holiness is our way. 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the light that now is and of that which is to come. A farmer was out in his field ending the day. It was supper time. You all call it supper around here or is it dinner? I don't know. All right, if you want to have me over for supper, I'll come over for supper, okay? <laughs> it was supper time. The farmer was ending the day's work, and he noticed on the road in front of his house there was a young boy driving a, a hay wagon with hay loaded up upon it. The, the wheels kind of got messed up, and the, and the hay wagon fell over. Man, the boy was frantic. He was trying with all his might. He was trying to get the horses unhitched. He was trying to push up the wagon, and the farmer just kind of sauntered out there. He said, hey, son, it's supper time. Why don't you go ahead and come on in? Come on in. There's something to eat. He goes, well... I really should go get my dad. No, no, no. He said, don't, don't worry about that. It, your problems will be there when you get back. He said, well, you know, I, I, I appreciate the offer. I, I'm really hungry. I'd love to right now, but I really ought to go get my dad. He said, no, I won't take no for an answer. He grabbed that young, by, young man by the shoulder. He let him in. Man, they enjoyed a home-cooked meal. It was amazing. It was awesome. He went out the door. It was still light. He said, well, what, what do you got to do? Where's your dad? He goes, well, he's under the hay. He should have been seeking something first, right? <laughs> Understand today, the kingdom is coming. As I mentioned before, that life is short. We only have today to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how, life, how short life is. God's already in your tomorrow. Amen. He's there. He knows what's going on. I'll close the thought and the message with this. I'll give you hope here. I'll close my Bible. 
Doesn't mean I'm done, but I'll close my Bible. <laughs> my wife and I have been seeking the Lord, and uh, we sought the Lord to come here. And uh, it was a blessing to, just to come. We, we have a house over there, and it's just a house. All right, thank the Lord for a house. And we put it up on the market. Man, not so great right now, the market, right? Got a couple bites. All of a sudden, someone, someone offered us something. Oh, that'd be great. You know what? We just, we'd, like to, we'd like to get it all settled, get it all wrapped up. Let, let's just be done with that. Let's get over to North Carolina. Thursday was our closing date. Thursday. All the instructions had been given, the wiring information, all the signatures had been, had been sent. I got a, a text that you don't want to get from your realtor. Call quick. Water in the basement. The sump pump had gone out. After I called frantically, I said, you got to get over there. He said, well, the buyers walked. I said, the buyers did what? Oh, man, I was asleep, but, man, I was awake after that. What? No, no, no. Today, today's the day. It's supposed to be done with. We don't have to worry about it anymore. It's done. We don't have to rely on God anymore. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen. At least we can get this part done. Nope. There God, man, we tried everything. We, we, we got a plumber over there. We got people over there to take up the floor. People were back there were so kind to help me out. Go do that. But it slowly became clear this house wasn't going to sell. Like I said, not one of the worst things in the world to happen. Okay, I understand that. But in my mind, the worry is real. I'm not back there. I can't do anything about it. Lord, Lord why would you do this? Did you question the Lord? Of course I did. I'm human. Lord, why did you do this? It had to be the Lord. It was on the, on the last day. I mean, everything was done. We're, we're done with it all. And I think maybe you think with the story that I'm going to get to the point that everything happened out and they came back and bought it. They didn't, right? I said, all right, Lord, it's okay. We'll let it go. We'll just start over. It's, it's, it's okay, Lord, you're still taking care of us. And you say these things as a Christian. You say these things as a child of God. And you feel guilty for worrying. And you feel guilty for even caring because God has never failed us one time. He never will. The Lord said, you're going to have to preach from that passage right there. I said, Lord, I don't want to preach from that passage. I was going to preach a different message. It was kind of along the same lines. But Lord, I, I, I don't want to preach that passage. I don't want to take, open the scripture there unless I can live it. Lord, Lord, I want to live it. Lord, I want to take no thought. Man, I, I got the mortgage over there. I, I this, hey, guess what? I'm not asking for anybody's help tonight, but I came to church this morning, and somebody had anonymously given my wife and I a gift, and it's going to cover most everything that we need. Kept put that gift in my pocket. Didn't tell my wife all the way through service. I thought, Lord, I can preach that message now. I can preach it, Lord. I, I, I think I can. And by the way, if he had not done that, I still would have preached it with, with the hope that God was going to work everything out. And I know that he is. remember just getting in the car to head out to lunch. And uh, we were talking, and Avery was talking about her class and everything that was going on there. I just pulled it out, handed it to my wife. Man, the tears were there. You know, you just have to believe God. I'm not preaching that everything's going to turn out right. God, God sometimes, like, like Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to live that. I do. When those moments come in my life, man, I, I want to live as that kind of Christian. I want to have that kind of faith. But when it comes to the cares of our life, take no thought. The Father is here. The kingdom is coming. Are we seeking it today? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.